Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Linux After Dark. I'm Joe. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. And I'm Dalton. Welcome back, chaps. Dalton, you are forever changing things. Yes. You know that thing where everyone says that people hate change? I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> so, I am constantly doing something to my computers, whether it's something like I am changing which laptop I'm using more often, or I'm switching from using my desktop to my laptop, or I'm changing what software I'm using, I'm tweaking things. I don't understand. Is this something that you all do? Do I just have a problem? Am I just going to be a serial distro hopper forever? You're talking to an XFCE user, so I don't have a great deal of empathy for your position here. Well, I thought I was the only one, Dalton, so uh, I'm glad I attended this uh, Changing Things Anonymous session today. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So there's a 50-50 split here because I, as a Mate user, the very similar Venn diagram of, of expectations is with Joe. So I don't like changing things very much at all on my main system. Certainly not. I don't change them very often. No, I hate it. I cannot stand changing things. When I have to upgrade to a new LTS, even though it's exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> when I upgraded my Pixel 7 recently to Android 14, and it was exactly the same, I didn't like that. But that said, I love messing around with my stack of laptops and trying all sorts of stuff on them, but not on my main system. My main systems are sacred. They change as little as possible. Okay, I think I might have it. I might have the reason why I do it. Sometimes it's because I just want to get rid of something. So, for example, I'll delete some apps from my phone because I think that they're distracting me too much. That actually is something where it's like, my values have changed or I'm not using my values correctly. Is that why you don't reply to Telegram messages during the day anymore? Yes. Telegram is not on my phone right now. It'll probably come back at some point, maybe in like a month. But right now I'm kind of enjoying having it gone. You miss out on all the classic banter that we have in our little private Telegram group, though. I know, but that's exactly the problem, is it's 8pm for you right now, and it's 2pm for me, and I need to be working. <laughs> <laughs> well, I usually send the banter about 10am during the day when I'm supposed to be working anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm supposed to be sleeping, and you're like, why is Joe still awake? <laughs> exactly. I think for me, I also do it with like my desk setup. And I'm like, oh, what if I use this monitor today? Or what if I have my laptop open as a second screen rather than just using a single display? And I can never quite settle on what makes me the most productive. Or maybe actually just changing it up is what makes me most productive. I don't know. But yeah, much like you, Dalton, I'm always changing what machine I'm using or the way my desk is set up or not necessarily what apps I have on my phone because I don't really have that many. But yeah. The only constant, I think, in my life is change. Oh, right. The other reason why I think I do this is because I don't want to get into a situation of configuration drift. If I'm always reinstalling things and starting from scratch, then I know exactly how to get back to where I am. I think that's a bit of it, too. I'm afraid of not knowing how to get my system back to where it is, I think. Personal technical debt. Mmm, that's a good term. Coin that. Put that somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I don't change it. I'm like Joe. If I'm going to be messing about with stuff, it's on a laptop from the stack of laptops or in a container or in a VM or something that is disposable. And I don't like touching anything main. Like I have been saying that I'm going to 
probably switch to Debian. I haven't had much time, but also part of it is that I just can't be asked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fine. I turn on my machines; they are broadly working. When I end up dropping something, it will usually be in a rage quit. I'll I'll let it fester for a bit, but then when it becomes just too much to bear, then I'll suddenly do it and I'll make the switch. But yeah, largely I like a steady rudder and a slow pace. So let me ask you this then: Do you both? keep your operating system relatively at its defaults? Is it just like one or two things that you change? I should be doing this in some kind of process like Ansible, but I don't. I have a two-page little text document of the things to do, because some of it, I could do it with you know terminal commands like G settings and things. And yep, you can email me and tell me that Nix does all this. I know it's brilliant. Home manager is going to solve all my problems. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, but on the whole, it's just a very quick, it takes me very little time to run through it, to set it up. So I don't deviate that much. Because I'm a Mate user, it comes with the taskbar at the top. So much like Joe, I know he's very similar. I drop it down to the bottom. It's laid out very much like Windows. I make a few tweaks like that. I have a few extra packages that I install. It's not like a massively customized setup. If someone picked up my laptop and threw it out of the window and it smashed irrevocably, I could just pull my backups and get it up and running really quickly. So I don't get that upset. It's not like I'm precious that if I touch it, it'll break. It's just I'm happy so I don't get itchy feet. Yeah, same panel to the bottom. Add a few things to it, like places and terminal launcher and uh, power control launcher. I changed to. Eye of Marte, EOM, that's the best image viewer that I've found. It's better than the default one in Zubuntu. Add a few applications, copy all my dot .files over from the backup, and good to go, really. So, yeah, it's relatively default. I don't mess around with themes and all that sort of nonsense. Just Greybird, it's ugly, but it's fine. So, Chris, especially, I need you to know this. Normal people do not have a text file that tells them how to set up their computer. <laughs> Surely you don't need a text file. Well, it's just because I forget various things. It has got shorter, to be honest. So it would have stuff like, don't forget to write a systemd unit to reset the Wi-Fi adapter when you resume from suspend, for example. Because that's just not out of the box on Ubuntu Mate 1604 or 1804, whenever it happened. And it was an underlying Ubuntu bug. So I think it affected other flavors and maybe even main Ubuntu. But that just wouldn't happen. And again, like I say, I, I could be doing that with configuration management, pushing that in. But um, those are the kind of things that are in the document. And it's more like a touching the Anfield sign when Liverpool walk out. It's having it there and running through is knowing that I've done all of those things. Football reference alert. <laughs> <laughs> but you see my point though, right? It's like, this is something that is weird. Even if you're talking about always doing things the same way and not changing things, the way that you set up your computer, the way that I set up my computer, it's weird compared to how most people care about these things. Well, most people turn it on and just start using it. There was a really good level one text video, which I send to people occasionally, especially my friends who are working in managed Windows IT. 
it was just before COVID, I think. And it really, really summarizes how people use computers now, largely because their work pushes them that way. He basically said the IT department and deployment specifically is going to die. And the idea is that if you're an employee, especially as people push to remote work, if you drop your laptop out of a window and it smashes, your company's not even going to deploy a device. They're going to tell you you've got a budget, go and buy something, and then log in with your Microsoft account. And then it's just there. There's no two-page document of how this is set up. You just sign in and it's there. Yeah, or you restore from an iCloud backup on the Mac mm-hmm. or Time Machine if you want to be super local about it. Those sound really unlikely to me. I guess having worked in that enterprise client IT space, that still seems really unlikely to me because you tell someone to buy a computer and they say, what? I mean, maybe you could have a recommended list and maybe it could get closer to that. But the thing is, Microsoft Autopilot for Windows is still garbage and auto install and dep and everything for the Mac is still just barely not good enough to ever make one touch or no touch deployments happen. Yeah, maybe. But I I do think generally you're right in terms of people don't even have a process where they think about what we have just said, even the fact that we tried to minimize, oh, we move the taskbar down to the bottom. They do literally just turn the machine on, go through a wizard and then go, okay, this is how the computer works. Then they ask someone for help when they want to change from that. But generally, as we always say, defaults are king. Most people just use the thing like an appliance. They don't even think about changing stuff around. Yeah, I think that's broadly true, Chris. Like, If I think about machines that I've set up for people and then I come back to them a year later, it's almost like I never left. All of the icons are in the same place. The shortcuts I put on there are the same shortcuts that were on there. They've probably saved some stuff. Their Chrome profile might have signed out and they haven't realized that that's not been syncing in forever. People just don't care. They just turn the computer on. It's set up the way that IT or their home IT person set it up. And that's kind of it. Like, I don't even remember the last time I saw someone change a wallpaper on a machine I set up for them. So then, is this need to keep changing things, us trying to find a more appropriate way to set people's computers up for them? Well, I mean, my two-page document is what I use for every single Ubuntu Mate install that I've ever done. So they get my setup. Oh, yeah, everyone gets my Ubuntu setup as well, obviously. Yeah, and they're happy. I mean, occasionally, if they've been a Mac user, then I'll use the Cupertino layout for Mate because it gives them plank at the bottom and the taskbar at the top because that's where they're used to clicking for things. But on the whole, everything else that's in there is stupid little things like that probably don't even make a huge difference, but checking the scheduler is appropriate, which that used to be a thing, but now isn't really uh, checking the swappiness value, checking various tiny little things like that. And as I say, most of that is done. So the documents got shorter over time. You know, the Wi-Fi adapter problem was fixed in a future LTS. So that was deleted from the document. Installing the British English dictionary in LibreOffice, for example, like... Tiny little things that you would just forget if they weren't in a bullet-pointed list to remind you that you've done it. I I tend to add to it as I remember that I'm always doing it. You realise that most of the British audience members listening to this want a cup of tea now (laughs) because of your horrendous butchering of Cupertino. 
<laughs> you see, it's one of those things I've never said out loud. My wife says subsequently for subsequently. Oh. I've never never said it out loud before, genuinely. So it's like Jim on two and a half had been saying succinct or something for succinct. Yeah. The and <laughs> Earl for URL. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I met the Ubiports team, I was talking about using the phone over data. And I said, telephony. And I think the entire room died. I think they died. I don't think they're alive anymore. It does sound like a toddler's toy. (laughs) (laughs) But this idea of constantly changing things really reminds me of a lot of the people I know in the audio world and in the music making world. People who play with new plugins, new synthesizers, new virtual instruments. Something that I never did when I used to make music and something that I don't do now. I just have a set of tools that I make music with or make these podcasts with and never change them. Whereas some people I know are just constantly trying out new EQs and new compressors and all sorts of noise reduction stuff. And I think there's just two types of people in the technical world, let's say. Three types of people. Normal people who don't care. (laughs) (laughs) People who set it up just how they want and then never change it. And then people like you, Dalton, and you, Gary, who get bored easily and constantly want to change the tools that they're using. And I think in the the latter two groups of people, the same instinct is there. It's just not as loud in your head. Because me and you, Joe, in our little Telegram groups, we exchange messages where we're trying things out, we're poking about. It's just that Dalton and Gary just jump on the horse without a saddle and kick it out of the arse. See what I mean? That's the only difference. <laughs> yeah, you just do it on your main machine, whereas we have got a stack of laptops for a reason and, you know, virtualization and containers, like you said, Chris. I want the full experience right away. I want it now and I want to learn what it's like. And I want the honeymoon period to be over two hours after it starts. <laughs> See, I think I'm probably more likely to put it on a machine from the stack of laptops, but then carry that machine from the stack of laptops everywhere with me for a few weeks. Ah. (laughs) So that sort of does become the change, is that I've changed distro, but also I've changed the laptop I'm using. There's the difference, isn't it? Because my stack is in the corner and rotated, but never exits the house. I have production machines. They get to leave the house. They get the hallowed turf. And I very rarely switch out what what I take out and about with me. Yeah, whereas my production machine is just whatever machine I grab that morning when I leave. And I think most of them are usually in a state where they're ready to go. It's like a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Whatever I'm brewing this morning, that's what I'm taking. Pretty much. Like, I might grab the Mac off the shelf, or I might grab an old ThinkPad or a new ThinkPad. (laughs) That's basically the choices. (laughs) You know what that says to me, Gary? That says to me that Almost all of your computing happens on someone else's computer. Uh, Yeah, I mean, as long as it's got my SSH key on, then I'm probably fine. (laughs) If it's signed into Firefox, it's got my SSH key on, that's kind of it. Yeah, it's true. That is true. That's not true for me. I am just, I guess, the embodiment of chaos. (laughs) (laughs) But my question to you, Dalton, is... Is it because you're frustrated that everything is shit or you look at something else and think that might be cool? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a hobby, perhaps? Should you learn to play the guitar, maybe, instead? Or the ukulele? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be really, really annoying, yeah. Oh, fucking Cal Newport never leaves us, does he? <laughs> That's what we call a callback. <laughs> Okay, this episode is sponsored by people who support us with PayPal and Patreon. Go to linuxafterdark.net slash support for details of how you can support us too. Linux After Dark is part of the Late Night Linux family, which means that for $10 a month on Patreon, you can get access to an RSS feed that contains all the Late Night Linux family shows without adverts like this. There's also an option to get just this show ad-free for $5 a month. Some of the episodes are even released a day or so early for Patreon supporters. So if you like what we do and can afford it, it would be great if you could support us at linuxafterdark.net slash support. Let's do some feedback then. Matt writes, regarding forcing a pin on iPhone, if you click the side slash power button five times, it triggers the SOS slash reboot screen and forces a pin for next unlock. Sometimes that can be quicker or more discreet than the volume up, volume down, side slash power sequence. That is correct, all of that is true, but I worry about people accidentally triggering SOS mode, which also I believe comes with an alarm by default, which is audible even in mute. So, you know, just easier to press the volume up button, press the volume down button, and then press and hold the power button in situations where that's required. Though, the SOS mode, it is a very good thing for people to know about, because they might need it someday. Wow, Apple devices. I mean, I don't own an iPhone, but what with the, if you fall over too quickly, it thinks you're in a car crash. I mean... Yeah, or if you're on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's, it's very interesting. I, I, my wife left with my phone the other day. She went out for the evening and both our phones, the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 7, were face down on the kitchen counter. And she left in a hurry and she picked up my phone. So I went to pick up hers and realized what had happened. And I logged in to find my device and she was walking down the street. She said suddenly it was really, really loud because I pressed the locate <laughs> button. And I didn't know whether she'd heard it. So I, I did it again. And she was like, everyone was just looking at me in the street. Like, why are you sirening as you walked down? <laughs> didn't you think to just text her? No, because she wasn't looking at the phone. That's the thing. She wouldn't. I wanted my phone back before she got on a train. So she was on the walk between our house and the train station. So I wanted to try and catch her attention before she got on the train. Because if, I, if she looked at the message as the train pulled out of the station, that was a lot worse than turning on her heel and bringing the phone back. So it did work. But yeah, it's very loud. Could have called her maybe? Or was your phone on phone silent? On silent? Like a normal yeah. person. Yeah, I never have right. my phone on anything but vibrate. Well... I suppose she deserved to be embarrassed for taking the wrong phone. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that does remind me. I think on Android, it's something called Lockdown. It might not be a feature outside of Lineage and Calyx and, you know, those custom ROMs, but it is on the power button menu. There is a special feature called Lockdown. No, it's on my Pixel. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that's how you do that on Android. I was mistaken. Right. Okay, yeah, I've just seen that on my Pixel as well, Joe, so yeah. Yeah, pattern is required after lockdown. Yep. Annoyingly, though, I can't just do that without taking the phone out of my pocket, which is arguably when I'd want it most. Yep. Mm, that's true. So you should be able to say, okay, voice assistant. Go into lockdown mode, yeah, absolutely. That wouldn't draw attention at all. <laughs> if you put it in that mode, do a bunch of conservative MPs come out and start having a party? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> little bit of politics creeping in right well we'd better get out of here then we'll be back in a couple of weeks but until then i've been joe i've been chris i've been carrie and i've been dalton see you later <laughs>